Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the sky above us for today. And we're also going to take a look ahead at the week. And as this week is also the beginning of a new month, we are going to take a slight little peek ahead at March, although I'm going to reserve that until Wednesday when I have Tam Veyu with me from the Energy Almanac, and she and I both will help you get through or take a look ahead at what to expect for March. But you can expect that this is going to be a week, a week that I, I want to term as profound, right? I want to, I want to say that this will be a profoundly awesome week. <clears throat> I'm also uh, aware that it might be also a profoundly disturbing week for some people. It can also be a profoundly shadow-driven week for the collective, and that happens to be because we're still in that shadow period. But let's look at the high side of all of this, shall we? Because there's really uh, some some interesting things that I think that we can take away from this. Um, I, I see uh, uh, awesome Tanya out there. Good morning, peace and love to you as well. Tanya, Pam, good morning. She says, good morning, everyone. Happy pre-fat Tuesday. Oh, yes. That's also this week. Aha. And of course, Corey, hello to you. Justice for all. Good morning. It's great to see you out there. And anybody else who's listening, welcome. And thank you for being here with me. Uh, so we have a lot of things that we can talk about today. I'm going to, because the moon is in Aquarius, we're going to talk a little bit about that. But then I'm also going to show you something new and possibly revolutionary, a tool that all of us can use. And I discovered it quite by accident this morning as I, who knows, mind going off into a new direction. And so I want to show that to everybody. But then I also want to throw out a word, a new word. This It's not even a new word, really. I'm sure people have heard of this word, but we've probably not used it in the face of astrology before. And it comes from a dream I had last night. And I had to actually look the word up. I had a feeling I knew what it meant, but I wasn't sure like, why is this showing up in my dream? Or why is this word stuck in my head as I wake up? And the word was bifurcation, bifurcation. I'm actually going to type it in here as I saw it in my dream, bifurcation and put it up there in the chat. I might even put this on the screen. There we go. Oops, nope, I did not put that up on the screen, but let's show it on the screen. Bifurcation. So this was a dream that I was having just before I woke up, which usually tells me it has some kind of profoundness for either my personal life or for maybe what I was going to be talking about today. So I, when I looked the word up, I had this feeling by, of course, is two, Bifurcation. I had no idea what that might mean. But when I looked the word up, it said a path that was splitting into two. And I went, oh, okay. Because I've had this distinct feeling over the last, oh, maybe couple of days that there's this shift coming on the planet and that it's a shift that's coming as a split. Now, you know, you guys all know we've been in sort of this polarized, divisive sort of, of landscape over the last couple of years. So I'm not talking about that so much as I'm talking about a choice point that we come to. Greg Braden, first one I ever heard, put out the word choice point. And a choice point is a point at which we come to a path, a fork in the road, uh, where there is the potential for a bifurcation 
where some go one direction and some go the other direction. And the choice, rather than being in the hands of the divine, is in the co-creative hand, co-creative hands of us as human beings. I know that's waxing way philosophical, way metaphysical, way woo-woo, but it's really the truth that we're creating our reality. If we're creating our reality, then part of the split might be the choice that some of us make to go into the peaceful path or to the higher, um, more positive. And I'm not, I don't want to say this as a value statement. So I don't want to make the people that might choose the other path wrong, but I feel like there are these two experiences that we are coming to a choice point with. One is going to be the experience of the more creation of a golden age, perhaps, um, of course, not happening tomorrow necessarily, but something that we're moving in that direction, while the other people might choose to keep continuing down the warmongering path. Now, does that mean those, if, if we choose the path, path of peace, that we no longer see war or anything like that? I'm not sure that's exactly what that means, but it does mean that we're choosing from different, we're making different choices in the face of the things that challenge us. So, and I, I offer up this whole Ukraine-Russia uh, deal that's going on as uh, an opportunity to look into this a little bit deeper, right? There is seemingly a lot of people, a lot of people power that are bringing up different ways of being in this um, conflagration or in this uh, confusion confusion time. Uh, it's I, I don't really want to wax political because I know then I start hearing comments from people about politics. It's not about the politics. It's about the people's choice. What are we going to choose, right? Do we want to choose along perhaps with some of the posturing of uh, Putin's regime that, you know, we're going to nuke or we're going to, you know, have a, a real big war uh, uh, driving us to a third world war perhaps? Or do we want to say, okay, look, why don't we look at what it is that's driving this in the first place? Why don't we look underneath it all? How many of you raise your hands, go to the doctor and your doctor tells you, oh yeah, you have this here, take this pill. Never addressing the underlying cause, right? That maybe more spiritual cause, the more shadowy cause of what it is that's ailing your physical body. Well, take that out into the world and we do the same thing, right? We, we, we start reacting um, to what is happening by somebody's posturing or by somebody's, you know, wanting to do a, a power grab <clears throat> rather than looking at, well, what's underneath it, right? What's the driving force? What shadow is coming up for, let's just say Putin at this point, what are his shadows, right? Where is the little boy within him being triggered and that little boy is striking back in some way, right? So, and we have to look at these things within ourselves as well, because we're still in that shadow period. God help us until March 4th, so later this week. Um, so what little girl in you, what little boy in you is triggering the, the reaction or the response in the outer world from the shadow, right? The shadow, the shadow, the shadow. So I know we keep talking about this, but it's really important it's very important that you put words to what it is that you're experiencing so that you can move through this, right? And that we can, 
both singularly or individually and collectively make different choices. That's what this is all about, right? The choice point is ours to make. And it's a possibility we'll choose to keep going down the warmongering path, but it's also possible that we will choose to go down the path of peace. And it is also true that we might split and that the reality uh, fabric of reality on the planet shifts to encompass both a peaceful path and a warmongering path. Wouldn't that be interesting, right? <clears throat> and I guess when you look at that from a higher perspective, it all is about how it is we're trying to become responsible for our decisions, for our reactions in the midst of the shadow. Because if we can be mindful of our reactions, our responses during the shadow, then when we get out of the shadow period, we can also have that response ability in the time of the regular, you know, lighted path that we're walking down. So we have a lot of things to consider here. And um, the the thing that I discovered this morning that was also a sort of aha moment <clears throat> as I was um, as the moon in Aquarius can bring us to these aha moments, right? The moon right now in Aquarius, revelation that the goddesses Lilith and Eris are, and Sedna <clears throat> are all three, and Venus, right? Venus is still a goddess, are all highly activated by planets that are transiting right now. And it took me looking at this new chart type thing that I'm going to show you this morning to see that in action or to see how that was playing out. So I want to show that to you. But before we go to that, let's talk about the moon in Aquarius first. Let's get that done. Then I'm going to show you this new thing that I saw this morning. And I'm hoping and praying, I'm going to see, I'm going to choose somebody out here to be my, my uh, awareness person to tell me if they're seeing what I'm hoping they're seeing. And then we'll go into what some of the more profound energies are of the week. How's that? All right. So as we look at the moon in Aquarius, so Aquarius is a sign that's very profound right now for all of us. The profundity of Aquarius is that it's not just Saturn in Aquarius, Mercury in Aquarius, the moon in Aquarius today. It is that we are fully getting ready to move headlong into the age of Aquarius. Some people would say we're already there. Others would say we're on the cusp of it. Others would say we're not due to be there for another 500 years. But I would suggest that these ages, which are 26,575 something like years long, let's just 12,600 years long, would put us, 26,500 years, excuse me, did I say that? Uh, would put us right now so close to the cusp, it would be like being at the 29th degree of a sign, getting ready to move into a new one, right? So even if, even if you want to say, no, we're not in the age of Aquarius yet, we are at the karmic degree leading us into it, right? That would be how I would look at that. And if that's the case, then what we could really benefit from now is a further understanding of the archetypal energy brought to us through the sign of Aquarius, but also through Aquarian rulers, right? There are planets that actually hold sway in this sign, and they are both Saturn and Uranus, right? Two planets that have held a square with one another for the last couple of years, and still even in this year, close enough at times to 
to still be called a square. And the square is a tension filled um, aspect. And it is the aspect or the tension between the new and the uh, offbeat or the potential of what could be versus the more traditional, let's keep things the way they are. So we're pitting change against, against stagnancy, right? So the idea here of these two planets coming together in a square and also being the co-rulers of Aquarius shouldn't be lost on any of us, right? That we're in a time where we are battling the forces of the past in order to prepare for a new future. And if we want to say battling isn't a good word, it's not a positive word, that's fine. Let's look at it as we're going to pick and choose what is worth maintaining from the past. And we've also got to look at the future, what's worth pushing forward into the future, right? And we've got to bring those forces together so that we can move in tandem as a group, as a consciousness, as a collective into that future. Right. So, you know, we see it uh, in our government here in the U.S., you know, the fight between liberals and conservatives. Right. We could look at it that way where, you know, uh, the, the liberals have really good ideas about the future. They have but they're not all workable. Right. They're not all workable solutions. So we can't just say, oh, we got to take and do everything that the liberal movement wants. We can't look at the conservatives and do the same thing because the conservative movement is really holding us to an old paradigm. But we don't want to throw everything out from the past, right? We we just don't do that. We can't do that because we have a history, we have a tradition. And so the suggestion is that we move them into a more cohesive or coherent or collaborative or cooperative uh, union so that we can move forward, right? We, we don't say, oh, you're all wrong because you're liberal or you're all wrong because you're conservative. Let's take the best of both and move them forward. So Aquarius is the field where that takes place, right? Aquarian energy is the field where the past and the future meet in order to celebrate the best of what we have, the best and the brightest of the future and move forward in a new way. I hope that makes sense to everybody, right? Um, you, you guys can give me little comments and tell me if that is, um, uh, oh no, okay, so taking, you know, all of that into consideration. Now let's look at what Aquarius holds for us. So first of, first off, inventive solutions, right? Inventive solutions are contained in our brilliance, in our genius. And every one of you, if we switch to human design for just a moment, have that spark of genius in you, right? Your brilliance, your part that you're holding, that you are participating in with the collective and it's unique, right? It's uniquely you. It's a, a uniquely part of how you're here to play the role in the bigger picture, right? So you're the little, when you look through a kaleidoscope and you see all those little fractals and little pieces and they make this beautiful pattern. So you are the little fractal piece of this bigger tapestry or this bigger pattern as we look in this kaleidoscope of humanity. So it's your, your, if you were to cut your individual, uh, individuality out, then there'd be a hole in the kaleidoscope or a hole in the tapestry. Well, that takes away from the beauty of it all. So we need everybody's voices. We need everybody's hearts. We need everybody's participation in this paradigm shift or in this Aquarian age of focusing on our brilliance, our genius. 
And I want to check something really quickly because it just now occurred to me that we're going to go through a node shift here pretty soon. Um, next month. No, next month is March. Yikes. Like next month, this coming month on the 15th, we are shifting to the nodes that are the 23 and the 43, the nodes of genius and brilliance that finds its way through to the throat center at gate through at gate 23 for assimilation, for transmission, right? Asa, you and I were just talking about this. Um, what was that Thursday when we were doing your session about this whole 4323? How you hold the 43, I hold the 23. We come together and phew, brilliance spews, right? And it's not to say that we're more brilliant than anybody else. It's that we just happen to have that connection. But now everybody starting March 15th for the next three months after that is going to have that brilliant connection, that um, that focus of their north node moving them to transmit their genius to the world, right? To be able to bring out that genius. Your genius is in your south node in this new transmission that'll be happening. So the genius may be in your past lives. It might be in some idea that you had from the past. It might be in some part of yourself that you put up on the shelf because you thought it wasn't going to be acceptable. And now it'll be time to bring it off the shelf, right? Brilliance and genius, a huge focus here. And the future, right? This is the sign of the future. Whether you believe it or not, this is a sign that carries us into the potential of what comes next, letting a go of the old in favor of the new. And how that looks is our each person taking on the responsibility to follow your heart, right? To follow your heart's desires into the future. And then we can have new trends. Are they all going to work? No, right? We're not that blind, are we? Not all new ideas or new solutions are A, worth taking on, or B, are not all going to work. And yet, if we don't try, <clears throat> nothing will change, right? So we have to be able to do something. We have to step outside of our typical way of behaving in order to embrace something new. That's the promise in Aquarius, the future. And the future has a distinctly humanitarian feel to it as Aquarius is a sign of humanity. Humanity lives in Aquarius. Humanity lives here when we take a look at ourselves from the context of a bigger worldview. How do we all fit together in this playground? And how, do, how is my sitting here talking to you this morning participating in a bigger picture? How is you sitting behind your desk doing accounting, playing in the bigger picture, right? All of that. How is you being an artist? How is you being a musician? How is you being a mother, uh, a nursery school teacher, a whatever, fill in the blank, participating in a new reality, right? And how is that? How can you do that while standing back a little bit and seeing it from a bigger worldview? When we are able to do this, we have something called objectivity. Objectivity allows us to have revelations, to see things in bright new ways, right? To have those aha moments, to have that sparkling excitement of surprise, right? Of even shock. That's another one coming up for us in the next couple of weeks is shock. And whether shock is a good thing or not depends on 
you know, your way of thinking about or responding to what it is that shows up. Freedom, a big word here in Aquarius, right? And we're fighting right now about, or we're struggling, let's say right now with what the definition of freedom is. What does freedom mean? Does it mean anarchy where everybody can do whatever in the bleep they want to and call it my sovereign will and my sovereignty and don't don't tread on me kind of thing? Or is there a bigger picture here? Is there a bigger will, a bigger um, a, a bigger way that we can en- encompass and embrace freedom? We have to really have a definition of what that means if we're going to go forward. Does freedom mean that everybody, all three, 7.3 billion of us can all do whatever we want, which creates anarchy? Or are we going to agree that we do need to have some kinds of institutions, perhaps some kinds of laws that are equally and justly applied? Because again, that is a part of this as well. So we have to see the big picture. We have to seek knowledge. We have to seek the information as objectively as we can that is going to help us be prepared for a future, a future that we aren't haggling over resources. We aren't stealing each other's territory. We're not in such mortal fear that our neighbor to the South is going to arm themselves uh, or align themselves against us that we have to take preemptive uh, strikes at them in order to prevent that, right? It's playing out in the big and it's playing out in the little. And interestingly enough, Aquarian age brings on the divination tools, right? I was, if you guys have been watching the um, changing of the gods, that um, while I find it very repetitive and almost annoyingly so, um, it has some really good points in it about how history repeats itself. These Uranus and Pluto transits coming together, separating by a square, becoming an opposition, then a closing square, then a conjunction again, drive these revolutions that we have uh, on our planet. And we can look back and they've done a really marvelous job of showing us by through history, where these themes of uh, the the civil rights and women's rights and different, you know, movements have come about every time Uranus and Pluto come together. I'm getting tired of hearing that same message because there's so much other stuff they could be talking about as well. And I'm hoping they're going to move on to a different one. But the idea here is that underneath all of that, you see an explosion of astrology. You see an explosion in people that are looking at ways to define the future, ways to find more about themselves, the truth about who they are. And we can do that when we're looking at Aquarian energy, because it rules all of the divination tools, not just astrology, oracle card readings, the I Ching, um, tarot, any of the divination tools that we have at our disposal are really uh, part of Aquarian energy. Groups, networking, friendships, being realigned, being more collaborative, being more cooperative, all of those themes also coming up in the moon, in Aquarius, but in the Aquarian age. And of course, with all of that, we also have the shadow energies that come along with it. And that's because the world is a, a, a duality. We live in a dual world where 
duality, the shadow is the opposite of the light, and they are just the same, different side of the same coins, right? So without the shadow, we can't see the light. And without the light, we don't see the shadow. So we need the shadow. What's the shadow in Aquarius? Aloofness, standing back with such detachment or such objectivity that you fail to get involved, right? Or that you have a fear about getting involved. Like not my circus, not my monkey, taken to the nth degree, right? So we got to watch for that. Erratic and shocking behavior. Aquarius is the sign that marches to the beat of its own drummer. It sees things differently than everybody else. It has an innovative mind, an innovative way of using ideas and of becoming inspired. But sometimes that can lead to shocking things, right? The shock of electricity, right? Then you go, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore, right? Or the shock of a breakup in a relationship that then brings to the surface all the things that you fear that are true about yourself or that you have been projecting outward on someone else. So we have that as well. And this is going to be the toughest one, I think, is the uh, power of inflexible opinions, the power of 7.3 billion people having 7.3 billion different opinions. And how does that, how do we work through that? We've not done really well with that yet, right? We have not done very well in the face of this yet, but we're learning, right? We're learning this. And so we're going to have to watch. We're going to have to be willing to step back from our opinion for a moment to look back in and see, hmm, well, maybe there's something, there's some truth in what this person is saying or some truth in that idea that I can take in, even though it runs counter to what I think or what uh, my opinion is, maybe I could open my mind a little bit, take this in and sit with that. Okay. To make it a more whole picture, more holistic view. Okay. In the body, Aquarius rules the calves and the ankles, the circulation system, the uh, cramps and spasms that we get when there's a part of our body that is you know, been stagnant too long, right? Sitting too long, right? Got to get out of bed because my leg is killing me. Varicose veins, right? Too much pressure in the circulation system that can create problems. So if we, and I, I talk about this as a, a, a correlation, not a one-to-one -one thing, right? If you're having cramps in your calves, it's not necessarily because you're being a bad Aquarian, right? Or that Aquarius is a problem. It is that, oh, okay, there's a correlation here. Let me look to my uh, Aquarius part of my chart. What's pressuring me there, right? What's under pressure here? And let me take a look at that a little bit further. So looking at the moon today and a little bit from yesterday and then on into, let's see, tomorrow, I believe we don't change until uh, today's Monday, woo, tomorrow until tomorrow afternoon. Uh, so we have a couple of days where we can contemplate Aquarius energy, right? Aquarius energy and its potential to move us into a future, a very positive future. Uh, okay, so let's take a look at comments. Good morning, Christine, and good morning, J-Lo, and good morning, Pam. Uh, good morning, Asa. Good morning, Susie Gemini, Suzanne Fulmer. Good morning to you. I've missed you. And Kajela Ogren, good morning. And I know I just butchered your name. Sorry about that. Uh, Norma, good deal. Nice to see you. And oh, my computer just reset itself. How funny. 
Uh, Asa, good to see you out there this morning. Irene Alberg from Sweden. She said, oh, yes, there is such a shadow dance right now. Erica Dorsey, good morning. Debbie tippetts Tumio, good to see you. Uh, everybody, gr great to see all of you out here. Norma says decision point indeed. Um, Suzanne, yes, it does. Christine, Tom, I know I saw you out there somewhere. Um, Tom have been offering prayers of strength and protection for all of the brave Ukraine and all brave Russians who are protesting this invasion and war. And I did see along the way here somewhere that, um, you know, Pia and Colin have friends that actually are in Kiev and uh, are trying to get themselves out of the way of harm. So prayers for everybody here while we pray for peace. Don't forget that the sun right now is in the gate of peace, peace right? And uh, what can I say about this? This is on the emotional center. Uh, let me show you. Let, let's um, let's see. I need somebody. JLo, you're really good at this stuff. So I nominate you to help me with something for a moment. I am going to go to uh, Genetic Matrix because I want to show you all a tool that I discovered in uh, their system accidentally this morning. And uh, I need to know if it's going to change when I make changes, JLo. So would you please be responsible for texting me or um, letting me know in the chat? Well, you'll have to text me. Text me through Messenger. I'll turn my phone on here uh, and let me know if you're seeing it because I won't see the comments. All right. So I'm going to share my screen here because I just feel like this is a tool that everybody can uh, benefit with from. All right. So you should be seeing my screen. So JLo, here we go. I am going to highlight something. Did you see a change in my screen? Text me and tell me yes or no. Actually, I should turn on Messenger because that's where I usually talk to you from, I think. And I'll wait for a minute um, for that. And in the moment here, what I've done, I'm going to change this again. Did you see it change? Is it changing? Is it changing now? Is it changing here? Because if it is, that's what I want. Uh, okay, so JLo, I'll wait for that. Now, uh, let's see. Yes, awesome. Woohoo! I love it when a plan works. Okay, so what you're looking at here, let me see if I can, uh, I'm going to go back for a moment. When you go into genetic matrix, right, here's the, the sign in. What you do is you go to, um, well, on the, let me go back one more page. When you first go in, you see this um, welcome screen, and here is what I want you to do. You hit create chart. And when you hit create chart, it's going to take you to a screen that shows all of the different choices that you can make and look at them all. There is a lot of charts that you can do here, both human design and astro and human design, what I call astro design. And these are really awesome reports too, or charts, but it takes a little more skill to put those together. And then down here, we have other tools. And these other tools are the ones that I've been playing with with you already, right? The chart builder, where we see the astro mandala, right? You, you guys have been looking at this, where I showed you last week, the gate 37 and the uh, uh, earth at the gate 40, creating this whole channel of community. And then from that, being able to see, oh, the gate 40 is a Virgo gate, and that the gate 37 is a Pisces gate. So we got to see the astrology and how the human design works, right? But I found this morning that you can do a quick UTC chart. 
And I was like, UTC, well, I'm not in UTC, UTC, so I won't know how to look at this, but you know, I just know that this is eight hours. UTC is going to be eight hours ahead of my time. So if my time right now is 8.30ish, then uh, eight hours from now is what this is. And that happens to be 4.30ish this afternoon. And you also have some choices here that you can make. So I decided I wanted to know what an Astro HD natal chart would look like. And then I decided I just wanted the personality or the soul side of the chart. And voila, this is what I got. And so what you're looking at here is if this were a person, right, this is a person, you're seeing their astrology and their human design all on one chart. So in here, this is the mess. This is the ball of string that tells you how all of these planets are playing together. That part can be confusing, but you can just set that aside for just a moment. Just, just know it's there, but set it aside. Uh, on the next ring here, you see all of the symbols for planets and what they're bringing, where they are, and how they're aspected at the moment. Did you notice that when I hovered over this, which is the Black Moon Lilith, that hover, there we go, all of the things that she's making, all of the aspects that she's making right now are coming up, right? And I, if I hover it, you also see her name pops up. So if you don't recognize the symbol, hover over the symbol and voila, you tell, you get the knowledge of what it is as well as the, the strings or the lines that attach her to other planets on the wheel. So as we go around the wheel, we get that idea, right? Here's Chiron, and you see Chiron shows up, the word, as well as all of the strings that attach him in this ball of string. And then there's Neptune and Jupiter. So all of those things are there for you. Then on the next part of the wheel, it also shows you then what gate that planet is in. So Black Moon Lilith is in the gate 12 right now. That's my son's gate. My son in my chart sits at the gate 12. It is a Gemini gate. So when you look outward, you see Gemini. And then if you wanted to know, well, what house of the general aspects is that affecting, which isn't going to give you much information really, because it's not personalized. This is, you know, we're looking at the chart of a, of the day or of the moment. Um, we would get that, right? So we have all of this information here. It's also telling us where the moon is at in Aquarius in gate 19 and where this, where's the midheaven? The midheaven is Taurus and Taurus is in the gate too. And then what is the ascendant, right? The ascendant was Leo and Leo is at 29. The, that's the gate that it's in. And the sun is in Pisces at the gate 37. So this is profound information. Now, if I just wanted to look and tell you, well, where's the sun and what's the sun doing? I can click on just the sun and it will take away all of the other strings and leave me with uh, what the sun is doing. So if I make that up, there we go. Let's see if I can make my chart even just a little uh, bit bigger. There we go. So we see that the sun uh, is right here. This little symbol here is the sun. If I hover over it, it's going to tell me sun. It is in the gate 37. It is in Pisces. If this chart were a person and we really wanted to know the house, we'd see it in the house seven. And then we can start to look at the relationships. If I hover over the line, does it tell me? That would have been fun, but it doesn't. If I click on it, nope. 
It doesn't. So here's where it gets a little tricky because it's not telling you what these relationships are. But if I follow the string, I can see the sun is in some kind of relationship with the node. I can see that the sun is in some kind of relationship with the, the Pluto, Venus, Mars mess right here. And I can see that uh, the sun is very close to Jupiter. I can see the sun is, you know, very getting very close to uh, Pisces or to Neptune in Pisces because all three of these are in Pisces. They're at different gates, but they're all there. So we could uh, see, we get to see what is going on. So of interest to me this morning was the biggest uh, announcement of the week, if you will, which is going to be the Pluto, Mars, and Venus conjunction, where we are dealing with creative avenues of working through conflict, confrontation, power struggles, right? That's the high side. The more negative side is that it's going to be the old power struggle, right? The old power structure that is going to be, you know, the same responses to the same problems that we've always had, which lead us to freaking psychosis that we need to let go of. But we can also get a picture here of what's happening in the gates in human design. So we see them here. We can see that there are aspects, there are lines here leading us to a lot of different things, right? A lot of different things. And that means that we have profound aspect, a profound aspect, a triple conjunction that is highlighting connections to the North Node, which is the path of destiny, which direction are we going to move? This is in Taurus. So in the gate eight, how are we going to contribute to a higher functioning energy on the planet? Right? How are we going to do that? Uh, it's connected here to Chiron and Chiron sitting at the gate of control, gate of control, right? This is a gate 21, which is an Aries gate. And Aries is a Mars ruled sign, a sign of domination, of conflict and confrontation arising out of the need for control, the shadow of control that we are working through on the planet right now. How do we release ourselves from that shadow and how if we're the if the if we're the ones being controlled, how are we releasing ourselves from that shadow? If we're the controllers, what is going on within us? What is our fear that is holding us to needing to overpower others in order to feel alive or to feel like we have enough or that we are enough? <clears throat> Remember the discussion on Friday with the sun over here in the gate 37. Let's go back to the sun that this is on the solar plexus. And the 37 on the solar plexus brings us into that connection of enoughness. Are we enough? Right? Do I have enough? I am I enough? And I also wanted you also to see that there's some interesting energies out here. If we look at the definition of the day, it's triple split. A triple split definition is a concept that means people who need people in order to solve the problem, we have to come together right? You'll need more input than just your own energy or the energy of the people that you are typically around in order to solve a problem. So we can't keep doing things the old way. In other words, if we want to move ahead, we actually have to do that through engaging people that are different than the ones that we normally engage. Interesting because uh, the German chancellor, whose name escapes me right now, Schuller, Schumann, Schaff, ugh, 
sorry, I, his name escapes me, but he stepped to the forefront this weekend, right? Out of the shadows comes this man, Germany, and for for whatever purposes that was, whatever he decided that he was going to help with, whether you agree or not, it's that he stepped up. This is a new voice in all of this, right? A new voice and other countries maybe stepping in, right? So other voices stepping in to create a path to peace, right? That's where the sun's highest energy is, is in the energy of peace. We can also look at Saturn and Mercury right now. Let's look at that. Mercury and Saturn are coming into a conjunction this week in the sign of Aquarius, and they will conjunct at the gate uh, 13 and 19. And uh, that the moon right now is at the gate 19. And the energy of that particular gate is about reading the trends of the future, about satisfying our basic needs. What is the basic need here? That maybe Putin has a need that isn't being fulfilled. I don't know what that's all about, but we can look there. We can look to the need that we have. What are we clinging to? And why are we clinging to it? What's the safety in the old that we are holding on to? that we're afraid to let go and move into a more profound future. And when you look at uh, the connection of Saturn and Mercury together, that is the mind and our thinking and our communication being able to move into a more profound, stern, even focused, even concentration so that we can use our mind in a deliberate and a step fa uh, stepwise fashion. Right. So Mercury and Saturn coming together and then look at this. They're joining together, but they're squaring the angles of the chart. Right. The angles, meaning the midheaven and the IC that makes this conjunction highly effective, affective, affecting everything, creating an effect in the world. It's a challenge, but one, if we rise to the occasion, we can move through. And then there's also the, the, the square to the North Node, right? The North Node here. And the North Node is the, the piece pushing us forward, right? Where are we going so that, that we can move into a new dynamic, a new dynamic of, of everybody contributes. The gate eight is a gate of contribution. So we have that. We have a challenge. We have an inconjunct to, or is this the trine? This is the trine to uh, the Black Moon Lilith, right? So listening to other voices, right? Listening, allowing some of the vo voices that are typically quiet and inviting them in, inviting them in to speak, inviting them to, to participate in the conversation, right? If you guys know anything about an open throat, an open throat stays, if it stays quiet, <laughs> that's the challenge. If an open throat stays quiet and someone recognizes that and invites it in, it is amazing what the voice can speak to. But again, it's also mood. So we have to set the mood. We have to be able to understand when the timing is right, then miracles can happen. And it, if we looked at the circuitry, I bet we would see that there's a lot of miracle circuitry um, highlighted right now. Uh, okay. So what else did I, so I wanted to show you the, uh, goddesses involved here. Um, let's see, the new moon is going to occur this week as well. And it's going to happen right about here where the sun is. Oh, I got to click on the sun, I guess. And it isn't, let's see if I click on Jupiter, 
I don't know what it was I was clicking on this morning that was showing it to me. Maybe it was that I went to the Black Moon Lilith and hold the phone. Oh, this doesn't show Eris here. All right, so now I'm going to show you a different thing that I looked at. Down, so if you click down the natal personality, so you know you're still on this uh, chart that's showing you um, the chart of the moment, if you will, and you go down to mm, asteroids, fixed stars. Let's go to the asteroids. Now you see a human design chart and uh, where all of the asteroids are hitting. This isn't the one I went to, but. I did go here briefly. Um, you see Ceres, Pallas, Juno, Vesta, all of these, Eris. And if I click on Eris, it actually gives you a description down at the bottom of who she is, of her story, of what she represents. And astrologically, Eris represents strife, discord, discontent, fractiousness, quarreling, squabbling, divisiveness. She stands for populations which consider themselves disrespected, slighted, marginalized, affronted, forgotten, or injured. So what we see with Eris then is the forgotten or the injured or the slighted, marginalized people striking back, right? Throwing out the, the apple of discord that begs then for inclusivity, brings us all together. Um, if we look at Lilith, right, we can look at Lilith and she represents separation and rejection, equality for women, crib death or SIDS, sexual abandon and libertinism, libertinism, and the use of sex for power or domination. And it goes into the folklore of Lilith. And here Lilith is sitting at the gate 21, and that is a gate of control. And try the populations that have been controlled and our need to break free from control. And Sedna, uh, Sedna, she is an Inuit goddess. I don't know that they'll actually, he doesn't have hers in here yet, but that would, I'm sure he'll bring this out as time goes on. She's an Inuit goddess and her path was all about, um, <clears throat> her path is all about responsing, re responsible uh, maturity, right? Maturing, cutting the apron strings between uh, child and parent and growing up basically. And she represents sort of the immature aspect of all of that and how we need to grow. Um, I just realized too, that this is showing both the, um, the side here where this is the, 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 design side right or the the time period that would have been three months before the birth date this one over here is showing you the actual right now so lilith right now and eris right now these are uh, a little bit different so a little confusing and i'm sorry if that's confusing to you but i wanted to show it to you um let's see what these look like gate aspects Ooh, so now we get another picture right where we look at the gates and is there a Nope, there's no discussion going on underneath. Um, anyway, so all of these things are available on, in the um, Genetic Matrix program. So I'm going to stop sharing my screen for a moment and go back to StreamYard. How's everybody doing out there? Uh, Vesta is where we get investment. Aha, Vesta, Vesta. 
is Black Moon Lilith the same as Lilith? Yes, uh, although there are a couple of different Liliths. There's an asteroid Lilith, and then there is the Black Moon Lilith. And the one that we were looking at in the chart was the Black Moon Lilith. And you're right, that other Lilith that I just showed you was probably the asteroid Lilith, not the Black Moon Lilith. Um, and JLo says, is it like the cutting the cord of the placenta? Absolutely. I think you're talking about Sedna there. It, absolutely, right? And um, let's see. Eris equals rise. I love that. Um, that's right. Right, Chet? That's, a, a, that's an acronym in there or a, a way you can move the word around. Uh, okay. Anyway, other comments. I, Susie Gemini, I have had Uranus opposite my Black Moon Lilith for a long time, finally starting to separate. Uh, so you've been, you know, dealing with that shadow for a while and likely having some either striking events that forced you to look at that you know, or shocking events or surprises, um, or consciously even um, looking at these different shadows as they come up. And um, weird, does he have a wife healing the mother wound in the shadow side? Uh, I'm not sure. Are there ever any in-person workshops for human design and astrology in person? Well, I think COVID kind of put a posh, a, a kibosh on that for a while. I don't know, you know, where you live, Erica. I want to say you live in Florida, right? Or New Jersey, maybe. Uh, I will bet that people will start doing that again. Um, check maybe, just do a search uh, in Google for that. And, you know, after you get past CNN and... <laughs> That's a joke. Sorry. Uh, they'll give you that information. Uh, okay. So uh, Kajela says, I've been paying for last seven years and seeing it grow. Just amazing and worth the yearly fee. Okay. There must be something else. Oh, for genetic matrix. I bet you. I love, I love genetic matrix. I love it because he moves with the times and with the the demands, right, of, of the people that are, that he serves, right, where he serves astrologers and human design consultants and Gene Keys consultants. And so he's moving ahead with that. And so he's very good about, uh, you bring him an idea and he's like, hmm, okay, let's see how I can work with that. So it is, it's a very cool program. And JLo says, I would recommend even if it's one day so you can pay with, play with it and go in to see what it shows you. Um, yeah, because there's a lot of really good things. Erica, what do the colored lines mean or represent? I noticed the lines are different when Chiron or Lilith are connected to the planets. Those lines, I think, uh, tell you the relationship she's having. So in traditional astrology charts, you'll know uh, blue lines are usually showing you where there's an ease, a flow of energy between the planets. When they're red, it's usually showing you, aha, there's something red here. There's something challenging, right? A square, an opposition. The green lines show usually a an um, uh, in, in conjunct, a place where uh, there's difficulty, right? That you have to do something in order to be able to use the energy. In order to go green, go, you have to adjust, you have to move with, you have to uh, go into a new way of being. And then... Um, the there sometimes you'll see like blue dotted lines those do dotted lines are typically where we see semi-sextiles the more minor aspects so i hope that answers that question for you and let's see what else uh bye asa 
And uh, JLo says, we had three geomagnetic storms hit today. Let's hope it's all great vibes from the sun, right? Let's hope so. Uh, okay, so it seems like I didn't confuse too many of you. I like that. If you're confused, please go ahead and just put a, a, a comment down and uh, let me know, you know, what your, your question is. And let's take a quick peek in the next few minutes at some of the energies for the week. Now, I today, tomorrow, 3-1, March 1st, tomorrow, the sun will be in a sextile to Uranus. That usually ushers in some amazing awakening, some something, some aha moment that really helps you see things in a new light or put something into perspective that maybe you've been struggling with. Wednesday is a very, very profound day, as in there's so much going on that day. It's the new human design week. It is the new moon. And that is a very powerful new moon because we have Mercury conjunct Saturn that day. We have Saturn changing gates in human design to the gate of revolution. And that gives me a little bit of pause, but it also gives me some hope that maybe it's a positive revolution where instead of going down the path, we've always gone down. Revolution suggests we do something in a new way, re-evolve, right? Re-evolution. So um, maybe we can do something different and he'll be at that gate for a while, it letting, helping us to explore the responsibility we have in evolving the planet, in, in evolving our own awareness. And then on, let's see, Thursday, we have uh, the triple conjunction with uh, Pluto, Venus, and Mars, all three at 27 degrees of Capricorn, if you want to know where that is in your uh, astrology chart, and at the gate 60, 60 in your human design is called the gate of innovation, but it is also a gate of limitation where we have to focus in our energies in order to build a foundation that's going to support the future. Perfect. A sustainable future, not one built on, you know, sand, a, a sustainable future. And then on Sun Saturday, Friday, we kind of get a break, right? <laughs> we kind of get a break. You can let all that integrate and settle in. On Saturday, Mars and Venus, both within moments of one another, move into the sign of Aquarius. They'll both be at zero degrees of Aquarius. And I want to tell you the time that they do this. Uh, Mars is the first to move at 1023 p.m. West Coast time. So this is actually going to be Sunday morning for those of you on the East Coast. And seven minutes later at 1030 p.m., Venus makes the move. Extraordinary, right? They're... They're moving in together. This will be Venus catching up to Mars. So Venus applying the more feminine, the more beautiful, harmonious aspect to Mars's more conflict orientation. But more importantly, they're going to be in a conjunction at zero degrees of Aquarius, which is where Saturn and Jupiter were conjunct on the winter solstice of 2020. And that is the leading us into a new age of air, right? Of inspiration of possibilities of hope of cooperation of collaboration so we have movement of these two planets in tandem who've just had that triple conjunction two days before with pluto in the sign of the old the traditional the 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 sign of institutional uh traditions of capricorn 
and now they're together at the same degree of Saturn and Jupiter's uh, alignment, uh, uh, what, a year and two months ago. It's extraordinary right now. They're adding their energy to pushing us in that new direction, to really marrying the best of the past with the brightest of the future and taking us in that direction. The two, Mars and Venus together, are extraordinarily creative, right? They bring us a lot of creative energy and the potential for us to really birth something new. And that's what I'm sticking with, right? What are we birthing new? What's new that's coming up? What's the new in Aquarius? <clears throat> that's why I spent a lot of time this morning talking about Aquarius. And then on Sunday, <clears throat> We have a very powerful moon. The moon will be uh, in a conjunction to Uranus, which puts him in her in Taurus. And as uh, the moon in Taurus is, you know, new, it will also be uh, in a square to Mars and Venus, newly into Aquarius, because Taurus and Aquarius square one another. So our emotional involvement on Sunday gets a little bit heightened and, you know, might even show us where uh, the, <clears throat> where the old patterns lie, right? Where we've been stagnating, uh, where we need to let go to be able to move freely forward. So we have a great week. Uh, talking to you now about what's going on with Living Astrology this week. On Wednesday, I will be live on air and we are meeting up with Astro Inklings, uh, Tam Veyu, where we are going to take a look at March and uh, ahead at the biggest aspects of the month the biggest things to be aware of for the month. And then on that afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, so this will be March 2nd, uh, Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Then for those of you on the East Coast, I will be with Annette McCoy on Angel Heart Radio. And we're going to look ahead at March, but we're going to look at March in a, in a different way. We're going to look at March as an astro design, as a, what does Mars hold for, or what does Mars, March, named for Mars, hold for us in terms of uh, the future. So, and then Friday, of course, also I'll be on air. Yikes. All right, let's, what time do we have here? I've got a couple of moments, so I'm going to pull us a couple of cards. I'm going to do an animal card for the week. And, um, you know, I'm going to dig a little deep in my, I just made a mess in my pile here. <clears throat> I want to connect with something we haven't talked about in a while, but I might have to dig to get to them. So bear with me for a moment. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you have too many decks of cards, you can lose the decks that you're looking for. All right. Well, now that found them. The dog pack. The dog pack. I want to look at the dog pack. So first we're going to draw an animal card from our uh, animal deck by Colette Baron reed right? The spirit animal oracle. We're going to draw one from there and then I want to go to the dog pack. Why? Because dogs are love, right? God in the mirror. I always think of the dog as God in the mirror, the reflection of us, right? Their uh, profound ability to love unconditionally and the, the wisdom that we can learn by the dog, right? So, but first we have dolphin spirit 
Dolphin says this and that are true. Dolphin card number 20, but it was in protection. It came out upside down. I flipped it. Dolphin spirit, this and that are true. So let's see what that might mean for us. Dolphin, I think that's interesting with Pluto and or, um, Piscean energy. So let's see what the shadow of this says. Protection message. When you most want to be acknowledged as right and see other ways as wrong, dolphin spirit appears as a reminder that the story of your suffering and righteousness is a little more complicated than you are admitting right now. Do you want to see things in black and white and be rigid in your ideas of what's correct and what is not? Release your rigidity and embrace the fluidity of life as you recognize the grays that remind you there are two sides to every story, an upside to each downside, and a blessing in every challenge. What do you think is what you think is wrong may end up being right for you. So let Dolphin Spirit soften your heart so that you make the best decision at this time, playing with the possibilities that present themselves. Perfect. Perfect, perfect message. All right, that's Dolphin. Now let's do dogs. Let's see what dog we get today. The one thing that is really sad for me where, where I live is that I'm not allowed to have a dog and I really want a dog. And I just pulled Dachshund relationship. And what a cute little face. Oh my gosh. Isn't that face cute? The Dachshund relationship. Let's read what this has to say. And this is a deck by Leslie Ballantyne Zuber and uh lori valentine tooler and it is a deck that we haven't used in a while so let's i don't know why either probably because it got down to the bottom let's look at dachshund which also happens to be on my coffee cup this morning so there must be some kind of message that we need 16 okay Dachshund says, it's important for you to take care of yourself right now in order to have the energy your relationships require. Family support is also needed to get through and get to family support is also needed to get through those challenges that have you feeling oppressed. It may be time to take a fearless look at yourself instead of blaming the other person when relationships and partnerships are rocky. If your partner touches a nerve, there is usually some truth in what the other is saying. Pay attention to the message regardless of the messenger. You need to combine forces with your partner to grow and flourish in this relationship. Don't be afraid to seek help if you need it and dig down deep. Dachshund advice. My husband and I have never considered divorce. Murder sometimes, but never divorce. From Joyce Brothers. <laughs> So I suggest we don't do that either. I just say we love one another. Dachshund. Dachshund, look at those eyes. They're so cute. All right. That is it for me today, everybody. I wish you all a pleasant day, uh, a profound week, and I will see you Wednesday morning. Mwah! Much love to everybody. Bye for now. Do you wish you could better understand yourself and what is going on in the world? Well, grab your cup of coffee or tea and join the podcast Living Astrology with Janet Hickox for astrology, human design, and Gene Keys wisdom. Mondays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Podcasts are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your other favorite outlets.